Hi, travelers. You can listen to us on your travels on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and more. Make sure you check out our link tree in the description of this episode where you can find the links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter accounts. Okay, today is Saturday, November 4th. Fantastic show today, guys. We got Josh Dover from denversports.com. Going to break down the Broncos season so far, playing a little bit better, especially on defense. Uh, we got Nuggets coming back, Avs coming back as well. Break it all down with him. Awesome, awesome interview. First, guys, we're going to talk about the World Series. When we uh, For Tuesday's show, we recorded on Monday. Series was not done yet. We kind of decided just to wait till, till it was done to give a full recap. Well, Series is done now, and Rangers have won their first World Series title in their franchise history. Let's break it down, though, right now, guys. What was your overall takeaways from this series? Does Rangers have a chance to kind of make a you know two, three, four-year run here uh, in Major League Baseball? I'm not ready to go that far yet, but you look at what this team did. 11-0 on the road. Absolutely remarkable postseason accomplishment out of them. The fact that they were able to win games in many different ways. They won games scoring 11 runs. They won game five by shutting out the Diamondbacks. Uh, Corey Seager now puts his name up there in the Mr. October ranks, one of the best postseason performers of all time. And Bruce Bochy now with four World Series rings. He goes up there as one of the great managers in the history of Major League Baseball as well. So, And this is a franchise that, of course, had waited for 63 years, had the heartbreak in 2010 and 2011. And to see them make the run that they did, it shouldn't have been as surprising as it was because they were in first place for the vast majority of the season, just a late season collapse kind of. Uh, lost the division, but they took care of that in the ALCS and uh, a resilient team, and they certainly deserve to to win this World Series. Great postseason run. Yeah, Corey Seager is the reason they won this. You met you mentioned Mr. October Zach. He becomes the fourth player to win multiple World Series MVP awards. Uh, he joins Hall of Famer Sandy Koufax, Bob Gibson, and Reggie Jackson, and only Reggie Jackson and Seager have become the two players to do it with different teams. Like I said, played absolutely amazing in this series. He homered in three of the five games. He went six for 21 at the bat. Three home runs, like I said, uh, one double, three walks, and six RBIs, and six runs scored himself as well. So absolutely dominant series by him. Diamondbacks, though, what do you guys think about the Diamondbacks? I mean, their future ahead is so bright, so exciting. I mean, their team is so young. Really excited to see them come back next year. And what do you guys think on their chances of being able to run this back and potentially get here you know, next October? Well, they have some good pitching <clears throat> in the starting rotation with Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly, Brandon Fott as well. Uh, they, they might need to add an arm or two, but I think the pitching staff is is very good. And they have a, they have a young, hungry lineup with Corbin Carroll, with, um, with Marte, Kittel Marte at second base. This is a very underrated team going forward, and uh, and it wouldn't shock me if they're if they're back in it next year, especially in the NL West uh, with the Dodgers. I mean, basically giving them a run for their money, and the Padres, you know, they're on. They're kind of, I mean, have all the talent, obviously, but they don't. But they don't get into the playoffs or get into the big picture, uh, as we you know, as we've said and as we've seen this year. So I think this, the Diamondbacks could be, could be a very flying, could fly under the radar next year, once again in the NL and possibly be a contender. Unfortunate division they're in. I mean, the Dodgers will will always be good pretty much. And 
Padres, they had a fluke this year. They're going to definitely be back next year. I can't imagine with all the money they're spending that they won't be back next year at some some capacity. Even the Giants, San Francisco Giants, they definitely have potential to be back over the next couple of years as well. So we'll see what happens. But like I said, definitely a young core, really exciting team to, to, to follow going down the stretch here. Thursday night football, Titans, Steelers, a little bit more high scoring than we thought it would be. But overall, pretty much what we expected uh, Levis, he looks really calm and comfortable in the pocket. Decisive, strong arm, quick uh, quick releases. He's really good at preventing sacks in general. You know, he's going to be a really good game manager and potentially even a really good quarterback going on the stretch. What other takeaways did you guys get from this game? I think the Titans could, could be, do have a decent future, I can say. I think Will Levis, we can agree, is the future in Tennessee. But the Steelers, kind of another gutsy, ugly win for them. I know there's been a lot of ugly wins this year by a lot of NFL teams, even some of the best teams, but the Steelers being 5-3 and three, doesn't feel like a 5-3 and three team, but Kenny Pickett getting, uh, getting the job done at the end of the game there with a touchdown. He hasn't had a two-touchdown. He's only had one two-touchdown game in his career, and he only threw a touchdown last night. Did not have an interception, but the Steelers eke out another win. They're five and three, and still in the thick of things in the AFC North and the AFC playoff picture. Maybe not going to catch up to the Ravens. Only they're a game behind, and they beat Baltimore this year. But the Steelers right now would have the fifth seed in the AFC and the basically the first wild card if the playoffs started today. Yeah, that's exactly what they'd be. And this team, they've been outgained in their first eight games, yet they're five and three. They are the masters of looking terrible for about 55 minutes, and then Kenny Pickett somehow looks good for the last five minutes. It's very reminiscent of Tim Tebow in his spectacular year in 2011, where he was terrible the entire game. And then somehow in the fourth quarter, he became the greatest quarterback known to man. That's kind of what Kenny Pickett's doing right now. How about Deontay Johnson finally scoring a touchdown for the first time in God knows how long. George Pickens... uh, you know, how he didn't get two feet down on one of those throws, I'll never understand. But they were able to run the ball. Their defense will keep them in every game they play because they've got the best defensive player in the league in T.J. Watt. If they can just get a little more consistency offensively, this team can be good. But I just don't buy them as a playoff team. I, I need to see it more consistently. I need to see them play better for a four-quarter stretch. But they they do what they're uh, – that what they're doing, they're keeping themselves in games and they're figuring out a way to win late. Got to give them credit for that. Yeah, Dan Graciano from ESPN put it, <laughs> I kind of like his quote, what he said, the only thing Steelers do well is win games. <laughs> Kenny Pickett had all the time in the world to pass the ball this game. I mean, there was virtually no pass rush from the Titans this entire game. Pickett, as we all know, does struggle pretty handily when he does get some pass rush. And like I said, Titans had no sack on the game. They barely had any uh, good, solid pressures on Pickett the whole game as well. Titans run defense gave up 100 rushing yards as well for the fourth straight game. So that's something else that they have to look forward to. Just the defensive line in general for the Titans might be something that needs to look into going down the stretch here. Week 9 preview. Let's uh, go on to the rest of the games of Week 9. Break it down like we usually do. Closest game, motion drinking storyline, shootout, snoozer, favorites. Start with the closest game of the week. 
Zach, what is your closest game of the week? Uh, closest game of the week, I'm going to go Bills-Bengals. These are two teams that are among the best teams in the AFC, the Bills. We kind of don't know what they really are at this point, but they'll have 11 days to get ready for this game. And we saw the Bengals make a statement last week against the 49ers. The last three games, they've been very good. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, that passing tandem, we know what they can do. But the Bengals' defense has really started to come on as well over these last couple weeks. And obviously, this is the first time that these teams will played in Cincinnati since the DeMar Hamlin incident last year. So this has all the makings of a classic. Yeah, a lot of good games this week. And really, I mean, Miami, Kansas Kansas City, unfortunately, that's going to be in the morning. But Buffalo, Cincinnati, like you said, Dallas, Philadelphia plays as well. I think Tampa Bay, Houston could be a pretty good game. Seattle, Baltimore will be a good game as well. So, yeah, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of definitely a lot of good games coming up this week. And uh, closest game of the week for me, speaking of the Eagles-Cowboys, it is going to be the Eagles-Cowboys. Dak has been really good against the Eagles. He's 8-3 and three against the Eagles. Only played Jalen Hurts once. The last time they played was September of 2021. Both have the top defenses in the league. Eagles overall, 8. Eagles rush defense is 1. Cowboys overall defense is number 3, which we're not surprised about as well. So it's always pretty explosive when these teams see each other, but at the same time, their defense is just so good. So, pass rush. Eagles banged up offensive line. Cowboys, I think pass rush is is the most elite in the entire league. So that's going to be something to look out for in this game. Justin, what is your closest game of the week? I got Bills Bengals. I think it's going to be a very close game, and I think it's going to come down to the wire. I, I can see this happening. Josh Allen doesn't score on the game, on the final drive of the game for the Bills. I see a... 28-24 win for the Bengals, maybe 24-20, somewhere in there. I think it's going to be a lower-scoring defensive game, let's say, or maybe even a higher higher than 24-20. But I think that the Bengals will come away with the win here. I think, uh, I think this is going to be a very close game as well. Most intriguing storyline. Zach, what is your most intriguing storyline? Dolphins, Chiefs in the early window. you got Tyreek Hill going against his old team. You've got two of the best offenses in football. You've got two teams in the AFC right now that are tied for the best record. And again, I want to see how real the Dolphins are. This is a team that they're 5-0. and uh, their, their six wins are against good or against bad competition. And when they've stepped up a class and played their two biggest games, they have not looked all that impressive. So I want to see if the Dolphins can rise up to the stage against the defending champs and prove that they're for real. In the case of Kansas City, coming off a shocking loss last week against the Broncos, I'd be surprised if they're not roaring, roaring for bear and ready to get back out there. It's a shame that this is a 9-30 game on the East Coast because this might be the most fun game of the week. Yeah, good for Germany, though, of course. My most intriguing storyline, uh, Jaron Hall, starting as quarterback for the Vikings. So my question is, I mean, what do the Vikings do going forward at the quarterback position? Obviously, the trade deadline is over. Uh, I'm upset they didn't get Jameis Winston. I know that was an idea floating around, but the Vikings, unfortunately, at the end of the day, did not end up getting Jameis Winston. So now they have a huge question mark at the quarterback position. Jaron Hall, of course, was a backup for Zach Wilson at BYU for two years. Played pretty well at BYU, all things considered, but now he is in the big leagues. Only played one series uh, last week with the Vikings and able to do just enough to get that win against the, a pretty pretty bad Packers team. But, of course, now he has to play a full game. O'Connell making it sound like Dobbs, ready to come in at any moment if he needs to, if Jaron Hall starts to struggle. So not showing a lot of confidence in Jaron Hall. We'll see what happens, and that's my most intriguing intriguing storyline for Sunday. Justin, what is yours uh, going into Week 9? Being the uh, Eagles and the Cowboys, Dak Prescott 8-3 against the Eagles in his career, a a 25-4 record against the NFC East. 
and on the road to the Cowboys, this could be one of the last chances for them to prove that they are a top contender in the NFC against Philadelphia. And obviously the Eagles going could, if they win this game, go 8-1, and one, really put a stranglehold on the division and a stranglehold on the rest of the NFC. This is going to be a very this is going to be a very intriguing game with both teams the way they're the way they have played, both teams the way they match up well against each other. I think it's going to be a classic NFC East battle and I I I think this is going to be a close win here for the Eagles. Surprise of the week, Zach, what is your what is your surprise of the week? Uh not a whole lot of surprises out there, but I'm going to say my surprise of the week is going to be I'm going to take the Jets to beat the Chargers on Monday night. I think I don't trust the Chargers as far as I can throw them, and especially on the on the road on Monday night. They're not particularly all that great. Um, you know, They looked good last week, but that was because they played the Bears. The Jets' defense, I think, can contain Justin Herbert. And Zach Wilson, believe it or not, in some primetime stages, has actually not been terrible this year. Go back to the Chiefs game earlier in the year. So I'm going to take the Jets as a three-and-a-half-point underdog at home to not only cover but to win outright. My surprise of the week, I just came off saying how the Packers are pretty bad, but I do think the Packers have a chance to beat the Rams this weekend. Packers GM uh, coming out saying that he's pretty much unsure, has no confidence in Jordan Love being their franchise quarterback going down the stretch. A lot of hope for Jordan Love going into this season. A lot of people thought that he would be playing a lot better than he is. As we go into week nine here, Jordan Love has been anything but good. I mean, they have the second worst completion percentage in the NFL, completing only 57.8% of passes. The Rams, though, have looked awful last week. They looked awful last week against the Cowboys. Uh, Cowboys had an, had an absolute field day with him. We talked about that earlier, you know, on Tuesday's show. But Cowboys scored on offense, defense, and special teams, and Los Angeles struggled to keep up the entire game. Rams likely will be without Matthew Stafford. The Rams defense, like I said, just let Dak Prescott look like prime time, putting up 300-plus yards and four touchdowns. To the Rams, yeah, they're definitely an upset alert for me. Packers definitely are probably one of the bottom five. So, for me, uh, this would – be considered an upset. Justin, what is your surprise of the week? Surprise of the week, I got the Buccaneers over the Texans. I think the Texans are kind of starting to fold up this season, basically. I mean, I know they're 3-4, and four, Tampa Bay also 3-4, and four, but last week the Texans lost to the Carolina Pan- Panthers on the road. I think this is where the Texans had a, had a decent run this year. I mean, they were kind of... In the playoff conversation, C.J. Stroud, I think he's the future quarterback. But I think this is where the Texans are kind of going to head down on the downtrodden here. Uh, they're obviously favored, but I but I think the Texans are on upset alert as, as Tampa Bay being the underdog. I think Tampa Bay wins this game. Uh, let's move on. Shootout of the week. Zach, what's your shootout of the week? I think we all will, will agree on this one. Dolphins, Chiefs. Yep. At 930 in the morning, which kind of sucks. I don't – Chiefs. Gonna re- they're going to bounce back from a really bad loss last week against the Broncos team. Uh, big question on Patrick Mahomes' health. I think he'll be fine. Obviously, definitely had some kind of flu last week. It looks like he had probably his worst game of his career. That's not going to happen again. Uh, Tyreek Hill, first game back against his former team. Of course, on pace to break the single-season record for receiving yards. He has over 1,000 through eight games. So he's looking dangerous as ever as he enters uh, the game against the Dolphins. 
and might even have a little bit more motivation, like I said, heading to this game as well. Dolphins, of course, like you said earlier, Zach, they do have some concerns against teams above 500, though, this year. I mean, all their wins have come against teams below 500, and their two losses this year have come against the Eagles and Bills, of course, two teams with winning records. Yeah, it's going to be a litmus test for the Dolphins. I'm excited to see what they can do. They have to win this game to kind of prove that they're true contenders and for Tua's sake as well he has to kind of prove that he's MVP candidate worthy this will easily be the shootout of the week there's probably I mean there there's going to be between this game Eagles and Cowboys and Bills Bengals I mean those, those are going to be very close I, I think those should be close games this week but this one will be will end in 38-31 34-31 Maybe even 38-35. I, I think this is going to be a very high-scoring shootout. Snoozer of the week, opposite side of the coin. Zach, what is your snoozer of the week? Uh, two teams that have been known for playing snoozers all year, Giants, Raiders. Yeah. This game just yeah. has ugly with a capital U written all over it. I mean, two bad quarterbacks right now, two offenses that can't move the ball across the street. Like th- This is not going to be pretty. I was going to say, I think we're going to be online on this one too. Giants. That's also my snoozer of the week. Giants hurt by injuries. Tyrod Taylor, Darren Waller. Not that they were playing amazing before that, but, I mean, Raiders just fired their head coach, Josh McDaniel. I mean, we just talked to Bill Bradley last episode about all the you know struggles that the Raiders have been having. We're expecting a full rebuild of this team soon. And, yeah, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo benched in favor of rookie Aiden O'Connell. Devontae Adams, adamant at the start of the season, he won it out. Raiders are pretty much a dumpster fire at this point. Here's an interesting question for you guys. Are the Giants the – biggest letdown team this year i'd say so yeah i i'd say i mean for for a team that went to the playoffs last year i know they kind of slipped at the end of the year then won a playoff game on the road then lost but i i think the giants they 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 very much believe their own hype i i mean they should have never gave daniel jones that type of contract saquon barkley the whole saquon situation was not the right way to go about it i mean May, I, I would have actually let Daniel Jones walk if he demanded that money from the Giants. And I probably would have found a way to, you know, on the franchise tag with Saquon to, to try and trade him. So I do think the Giants are the biggest letdown. I think they – I don't think they have a future now. I, I think they kind of they kind of just – you know, threw away their future for this Daniel Jones contract. This contract looks obviously really bad in light of all this, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Maybe they trade him for picks, who knows. But Justin, is this your snoozer, by the way, before we move on? I mean, I don't think it's hard to imagine it's anything else. <laughs> also, Commander's Patriots. That's a, that's going to be another snoozer. Sam Howe, outside of the Eagles yeah. for the two games this year, he's, he's not been, you know, a solid franchise-tier quarterback. And the Patriots are just... Yeah. I mean, that both of those teams are not going anywhere this year. So that, that'll be another snooze fest. Favorites of the week. Just, uh, Zach, what's your favorite of the week? Uh, my favorite of the week, I'm actually going to take the Ravens against the Seahawks. I think Lamar Jackson throughout his career has owned the NFC. I mean, I don't think he's ever lost to an NFC team in his career, which sounds better than it is because he's never played an NFC team in the Super Bowl, but that's just the regular season. But – and Seattle coming off a big win last week against the Browns, but it's a 10 a.m. kickoff time for them. 
And the Ravens at home have been dominant this year. Uh, I think the running game is going to take over. I think Lamar has another big game. They're doing a lot more with him as far as restricting the called run plays for him. He's still running on scrambles and all that kind of stuff, but he's not getting a lot of called runs or trying to save him for the long term. And I think this is one of those games that it pays off for him. I think the Ravens get it done at home against Seattle. My favorite of the week, Saints over Bears. Saints? Offense, looking back on pace for what people thought they would be or what they should be start of the season, Carr, 19 for tw- uh, 27, 310 yards, two touchdowns last week. Kamara playing really well, too, last week, 17 rushes, 59 yards, one touchdown, four receptions for 51 yards as well, and a receiving touchdown. The Saints had some really long, explosive plays last week as well. Other side of the coin, Bears. Bajant looked really bad. I mean, obviously he had that, you know, in his start in the NFL, he had that really good game that got the got the Bears to win. But overall, I think Bajant kind of came back to form, came back to earth a little bit uh, when they played the Chargers in prime time. And, uh, yeah, I don't think this is going to be a contest from the Bears. I think unless Bajant comes out and plays like he did in his first game, this is going to be a pretty done deal for the Saints. I think the Saints uh, take care of business. Justin, what is your favorite of the week? I'm going to go with the Browns over the Cardinals. Clayton Toon, I believe, is starting for the Cardinals this week because Kyler Murray's still on the injury report. They get rid of, they traded Joshua Dobbs to the Vikings. And for the Browns, I know they have PJ Walker, I believe, still starting. They're uh, they're four and four and three, obviously, still in the playoff hunt in the AFC. So I think the Browns, I think the Browns take care of business with that defense and. Obviously, they'll put points on the board with P.J. Walker. I think the Browns dominate the Cardinals here. Only games we didn't really cover. I mean, Indianapolis, uh, Carolina, we'll see if Bryce Young can do it again. Other side of the coin, I mean, Tampa Bay, Houston, we'll see if uh, C.J. Stroud can bounce back. And I think Arizona, Cleveland, we didn't really get into either. But I don't know what to – besides those, what I just said, I don't really know what else to even say about about those games. Minnesota, Atlanta – a one o'clock game. We'll see. I mean, Atlanta should win this game, all things considered, just given the fact that the Minnesota, the Vikings have the quarterback problem that they that they have now. But um, yeah, overall, we'll, we'll just kind of see what happens, and we'll break it all down on on Tuesday show as well. Writer's block, uh, Zach. What is your writer's block of the week? Uh, anybody who's all that excited about the NBA in-season tournament, I just don't buy it. Like, come on, guys. It's football season. What does this really mean? The players don't really seem to care that much about it. Um, I- I'm still waiting to see long-term as far as, yeah, it's a money grab. Let's just call it what it is. It's a money grab. But do the players actually care about winning an in-season tournament? Are they going to ha- raise a banner? Are they going to do all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So. I'm just not into it. I'm sorry. I know it's an innovation. I know the NBA is trying to do things differently, which I commend them for. I just don't think this is it. WNBA uh, had an in-season tor- tournament for like three, four years now. That's been successful, but obviously the fan base for the NBA is a little bit different than than the WNBA, so we'll just kind of see what happens. It does suck that it's in football season, but overall I kind of like it. Uh, like I said, it's going to be in Vegas. It's The courts look awesome. If nothing else, I'm – Interested to see how well it does and how the fans kind of receive it once they actually do tip off and start playing. Speaking of basketball, though, my writer's block of the week, um, the back and forth between the Sixers and James Harden. I'm over it, but most importantly, they don't play until March, which is really unfortunate. The end of March, even. I think Sixers go to Los Angeles and play Clippers on the 24th of March, and then the Clippers do come to Philadelphia at the very end of March on the 27th. 
so that's going to be, uh, I mean, that's going to be an awesome, pretty much back to back almost games. And my, my biggest takeaway is if they're going to start talking about all the, you know, Embiid fighting back and uh, snapping back and Harden saying the things he's doing, at least wait until March, mid-March, when the game is about to happen and uh, you, we have more content leading up to actual tip-off when these teams play each other. But right now, it's just it's too early. Uh, I don't really want to hear about it. It's kind of annoying at this point, but I'll, I'll be all for it again, like I said, once, uh, once March rolls around and these teams get ready to play each other again. Justin, what is your writer's block of the week? My writer's block of the week is LSU saying that they are the, not LSU, but college football, LSU on CBS Sports here saying that they have the future of the SEC in its hands, but I don't think it's, I don't think they have it just yet. I know they can get great recruits. I know it's the SEC. I mean, you know, who doesn't have a great future in that conference? Probably most of the teams, Alabama, LSU, Georgia. I mean, who knows? Maybe even Deion Sanders ends up in the SEC in the next few years. They could also have a, a big big recruit down there, too, if, say, he goes to Florida State or, say, he goes to an SEC school. But I think, uh, I, I think it's too early to tell that LSU is the future of the SEC. Georgia sure doesn't seem like they're going anywhere. I mean, Nick Saban's probably having the best coaching job of his career as well. So I don't, yeah, I don't know where they get that either. Moving on, guys. Josh, uh, Josh Dover. Awesome interview with him. Awesome interview breaking down Broncos. Have a bye week coming up. Uh, did play really well against the Chiefs. Obviously got that got that win for the first time in in years. And um, yeah, we're gonna talk about the Nuggets as well. Them running it back repeating as champions and then the Avs maybe getting back to their 2021 season where they where they won the Stanley Cup playoff so yeah break it all down with him awesome interview and then without further ado let's head west and talk to Josh in Colorado okay we now head to Denver and bring on Josh Dover recurring guest Josh I think we had you on about three four months ago talked about the Broncos before heading into the season while they were in training camp uh, talk about the Nuggets as well. I think we actually had you on right after the Nuggets won uh, the whole thing, won the championship last year. We'll, we'll get to them in a second as well. Talk some Avs as well. I mean, Avalanche looking to come back better than ever this year after uh, kind of a drop back year last year. But we'll get to them. I do want to start with the Broncos first, though. Uh, weird season for the Broncos. I feel kind of bad for Broncos fans right now because Russell Wilson, all things considered, played really well his first you know three, four games, and now the last three, four games, he's dropped off a little bit. And the defense now has been playing really well, though, with Russell Wilson kind of on the de- uh, not on the decline, but not playing his best games the last three, four games. So what's the uh, like, what's the settlement in Denver right now? Are they kind of thinking of, hey, both Russell Wilson and the defense can click at the same time? This team might actually be a, a playoff team, you know, with these nine games left. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's the message that the team sent, and then the Broncos fans, Broncos country out here, kind of you know falling in line. I guess is the, is the term I'll use there for it because there is a lot of folks that believe it. You win two in a row, you end the Chiefs streak. Uh, the the Chiefs beat the Broncos nineteen thousand games in a row. It feels like um, so. Yeah, I think that the message that the team sent by not making any deals at the deadline, uh, which we can chat about. It is exactly that. Of We believe that we can win with this roster. We believe that Sean Payton can come in here, turn things around, and fix it. Um, and look, that's what Sean Payton's been telling us, right? That's the bill he's been trying to sell us since he got here. 
way back in July talking all that junk to USA Today. So um, I don't know that I believe it. I'd gladly eat my words, fellas, if he proves me wrong and, and says I can win this, with this roster, proves that he can win with this roster. But I, I don't see it. Uh, of the offense and the defense, I think the defense being better or staying consistent is more sustainable than that of the offense. Um, because, look, it's the little screen game. If he really commits to running the football, you might have an opportunity to take the top off down the field once, twice, three times tops during the game. I just think the NFL is too good, and I think the pendulum swinging back to defense is figuring out offense as opposed to offense is figuring out defense, which is the world we've lived in for a couple of years. Uh, and if that's your idea of scoring and getting the ball downfield is run, screened, and then once or twice taking the shot downfield, it might win you a game or two here and there, but it's not going to make you a contender in the NFL. Yeah, like I said, I think um, Russell Wilson not playing the best games his last three games. I think uh, only five times in his career has he had less than 120 yards passing, and I think uh, two of those happened in the last three games. So definitely not playing the best. Uh, football over the over his last three games but I do think he was playing really well at the start of the season I think he was being underlooked a little bit I mean overlooked I should say at the start of the season is that how you kind of feel about Russell Wilson I mean uh, just based on how he played last year do you think people were kind of not giving him enough credit that he should have been getting uh, at the start of the season yeah, it'd be tough for me to say underrated. Um, and I try not to do it, but, man, I'm guilty of it all the time. Like, the money ties in, and it's not my money, so what the hell should I care? But when you talk about a guy getting $40 bucks a year, $35 million bucks a year, he can't just be good enough. You have to make everybody else good with you. And, and he hasn't done that. He's never done that as a Bronco. But I, I get what you're saying because, look, we got – what he set with the bar on his performance last year, I mean, guys, that's, that's a pretty low bar. And, yeah, he was better than that, but our expectations have been tempered so much that we're, we're basically going, yeah, all right, it's a two performance. Well, it's better than a zero performance. We'll get that. Or a five performance, it's better than a three performance. And so we will accept that. So he has been better. You're absolutely right about that. Has he been good enough to live up to the contract? No chance, but that's a yes. Uh, and has he been good enough to – the roster's not good around them. And good quarterbacks, uh, I'll check that. I'll say great quarterbacks, Hall of Fame quarterbacks that get quarter-million-dollar contracts, they're good enough to elevate everybody around him, and that ship has sailed for us. What do the fans want to happen this year? I mean, like I said, playoffs definitely can still – I mean, they're 3-5 and five now. Playoffs can definitely still be uh, you know, something to consider going down the stretch, especially with the schedule that they have, which we'll get to in a second. But what do the fans want? Do they, do they even want to make the playoffs or do they want more of like a you know, fire sale and you know, get the draft next year, get some teams, get some players around him? It's a great question. And it's honestly what we're debating all day on my radio show here in town. It's, I think going into the Chiefs game, it was like 60-40. People wanted them to lose, get draft picks, start to build for next year, actually tear it down for the first time. But, boy, they've won two in a row. They're rolling, according to Broncos fans. So I think it's gotten back more. Actually, I think it would just flip-flop it, right? 60 think they can make a run with this roster. 40% are still going on the nope. Not going to be close here. you got to tear it down before you can build it back up. So I think it's a 60-40 split. And, look, I do a Broncos pregame show. I don't, I don't want to wake up and go – Talk about a team that's going to lose a game, and I certainly, I'm not paying my money to go to the game, but if I'm one of those 76,000 that are doing it, 
I'm damn sure ain't going there to, to watch my team lose. If you're getting my money, I expect the best performance. So I think it's back to about a 50-50 split, 60-40, whatever you want to call that. Uh, it's pretty torn right down the middle as to what the fans believe they should do. I mean, what would have to happen for this team to even have a chance to make a run in the playoffs, though? I mean, obviously the defense can definitely click. The defense already is clicking uh, over these last, like, three, four games, like I opened with. But the offense would have to start really making some more noise. And what would have to happen for that to really, you know, be the case? Obviously, you can't make any trades anymore. Trade deadline's over. But, like, what what could you see, you know, what would what would be, like, a successful offense for you? Like, so-and-so has to do more this, you know, what, what, what do you kind of see as like needs to be happening from this offensive squad to be able to make a deeper run in the playoffs if they were to make it? Well, right now, if you look about what Russ we were just chatting about, he's on pace to throw for 35, 35, uh, 34, 35 touchdowns, 9 to 11 interceptions, get to about 3,500 yards. Again, you go, all right, that's decent, it's good enough, but with the money tied to it, it's not good enough. Um, and look, I don't, I don't know that Russ can win back to fans. Uh, outside of making a playoff run and all that. As far as the offense, uh, what are you averaging? 21 points, a little bit over that right now. That's got to be closer to 25, 26 to get to uh, a league average and get yourself into games. But, yeah, they, they, I mean, you look at the schedule, guys. I don't have in front of me, but four more home games. you got to take care of all of those. You have to win at home. You're going to have to steal a Chargers game at SoFi. you probably got to go down to Houston and take that one from the Texans. And it's all just a giant uphill battle that they have. So, I mean, down the stretch, you got to win five, six games and maybe seven if you really want to be a playoff team. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, so schedule is definitely manageable for the Broncos going down the stretch. I mean, when they get back from their bye, they face the Bills. That's going to be obviously pretty tough. That's a, that's a night game at you know in Buffalo. Play the Vikings after that. Vikings are a, a massive question mark right now, obviously, with Kirk Cousins going down. Browns also kind of a question mark, offensively speaking. Texans, question mark, Chargers, question I mean, a lot of a lot of teams, we don't really know what they are. I mean, Browns showed some life on defense. Texans really were playing well at the beginning of the season. I still think the Chargers are better than what their record says. I mean, they, you after the Chargers, then you do play the Lions uh, and the Patriots and then Chargers and Ra- Raiders again as well. But, I mean, it's definitely doable. I think last year, one team in the AFC made the playoffs with a uh, nine, you know, in the wild card with a nine win. Uh, record um, and so they only need six more and I think out of those teams I just listed uh, it's it's definitely doable I, I think it's doable I mean there's a path 100% it's still early right? I'll, I'll quote Russ, Russell Wilson here a lot of football a lot of football a lot of football all, all the stuff that he says every Wednesday um, so yeah it's I'm not I don't want to say look I'm not team tank yet I'm giving Sean the luxury of time he has the benefit of doubt right now with me and if you can find yourself winning some football games, and it's the other thing, guys, it's all on Sean. You told us you're the smartest guy in the room. Now go be the smartest guy in the room. And if he turns this around, he gets all the credit in the world. But he dictated expectations for what this team is supposed to be, and they haven't been that. So I, I get what you're saying, and I'm with you. There is a route. There is a path that they can get to the playoffs. They can have a meaningful December game for the first time in six years. Uh, and that would be a win. I, I kind of look at it as, you know, the Broncos are a newborn right now under Sean Payton. And like, maybe they just rolled over on their belly. That's what they just did by beating the Chiefs. You know, they rolled over on their belly and they're keeping their head up on their own. You're going, oh, look how cute that is. They got their legs up in the air and they're on their belly. Mm-hmm. But now you got to start to crawl. Eventually they need to run. Eventually they need to sprint towards the finish line. And I think that's five, six, seven weeks away. 
I want to continue and follow up more with Sean Payton. I mean, how have the fans been handling Sean Payton? How have they been intaking him so far? Because you can argue, I mean, he's not been doing great, obviously, but a lot of that is a lot of that's the team too, the team structure, how the team is playing. So what is the overall like what are what are fans saying about Sean Payton so far? A lot of questions up front, right? A lot of questions about what he was doing, the timeouts, the mismanagement for the clock, the same problems they had in Nathaniel Hackett. He has gotten better at it. And something I give by guys, and I think it goes cross-platforms for all coaches. In today's sports world, the best coaches, they coach their roster. Older, out-of-touch coaches, they dictate their system. And I think early on, Sean Payton came in here trying to dictate his system. This is what I do, and you do it the way I tell you to do it, you're going to be successful. I don't know if that works in today's sports landscape. I think you have to cater to your roster. He's doing that now. That's what's led to a couple of wins, guys. He's running the football. What did Russell Wilson pass for? 19 times, five balls went beyond the line of scrimmage, and they ran the rock 40 freaking times. He's coaching the roster and not dictating his system the last two weeks, and I think the fans are starting to see that. Broncos fans are smart. This is a good football market. They know what's up. They don't mess around. And if Sean can show that, like, hey, I, I understand what I have here, what my job is, and what I have to do moving forward, they'll, they'll be into it. And I will say this. Uh, Broncos country still has faith in Sean as the guy to fix the problems that are still coming. So right now, he still has the favor of Broncos fans. Yeah, I mean, he's a great coach, obviously. I mean, he has a massive resume behind him. But kind of going off that, what do uh, what are the fans screaming for in the offseason here? What do they have to do in the offseason, regardless of how the team kind of ends? Uh, well, I think it's a couple of things. One, they're going to have a real Russell Wilson problem or a question, something to solve in the offseason uh, when it comes to his contract moving forward. I don't, right now, at this time in early November, I do not think they're going to cut ties. That could all change down the road, so my opinion could change with more information that I get. But as of right now, and, and Greg Walton's kind of hinted at that with some of the stuff I've heard behind the scenes, of, there's been conversations between Greg Pinner and Sean Payton. And look, if I'm Greg Pinner and I say, I just gave you $18 million a year, you're the highest, you're tied for the highest paid coach in all the sports with Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. I know the Broncos are a mess if I'm Greg Pinner. That's why I hired you, Sean Payton, and paid you a boatload of cash to come in here and fix it because we have a roster problem. We're tied to some of these players like Russell Wilson, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Mike McGlinchey, Ben Powers, Justin Simmons, all, all these players that you're tied to. That's already on the books. You're brought in to fix it. So uh, that, that's the job for Sean, and that's where Greg Penner's head is at. No, I know we're in a, a tough situation. That's why you were given the job and, uh, you know, the one to guide us out of the darkness. What do the fans think of Russell Wilson? Do they do they want to move on from him? Do they want to keep him? What is the fan reaction this year for Russell Wilson and basically his whole time in Denver? And what do they want to do with him this offseason? So I think it's still a bit of a split on Russ. Uh, obviously, everybody's upset about the money and tied. And again, it's not our money, so we can't be too furious about that situation. But I think there's some fans right now that go, all right, yeah, throw the ball 19 times. I'll only have 120 yards, what was it, 114 yards. But if you got two, three touchdowns tonight, then we're okay with that. Um, I, I just think that becomes, how does Russ feel? 
Russ is the one that has this stigma of I'm, I'm Drew Brees 2.0. So is Russell Wilson as Drew Brees 2.0 in his own head okay with throwing for less than 200 yards a game, less than 20 times a game, but maybe still as a top 10 touchdown passer in the league? Look, I know I'd be all right with that, especially if the checks are clearing no matter what. So uh, I, I think the fan base is a pretty good split on it, knowing that the money's there. And then again, like we said about this fan base, they're smart. They're good football fans. They know what the deal is. If it's not Drake May or it's not Caleb Williams, all right, well, then what's the next answer? That's something I hate. Fans are just a, a fire this person. Get rid of this person. That's fun in the fantasy football world and on Madden 24, but you, know, you have to have a backup plan. You can't just say fire X because. You have to, have to say fire X because and bring in Y because of this. So if it's not Caleb, it's not Drake May, guys, I don't know that they're going to get anything better than what Russell Wilson can be. So uh, I think by default, he's the quarterback next year at minimum for the Broncos. Yeah, I was going to ask that, you know, what their plans are. Because as of right now, if the season did end today, they would be ninth pick overall. So, it, you know, I was going to ask about the quarterback, what they might do in that situation. So it's, it sounds like it might just be too early, early to tell. It might just be they don't know yet. And also just might be, hey, just best available. We don't really know. Time will tell. Too early to tell really. Well, what the... I will say real, real quick to that, though. It's, it's also they didn't make any moves. And people called. People called about Jerry Judy. People called about uh, – um, Patrick Sertan and, and people called about Lloyd Cushenberry. That was a report I learned this morning. And I said this all along, guys. I wasn't in the business of trading Patrick Sertan, but I am in the business of trading Patrick Sertan on draft night if you identify who the quarterback is that you want. And let's say, uh, as you mentioned, they have a ninth pick. Let's say Denver has a ninth pick, and that ninth pick plus Patrick Sertan can get you up to two or three to get Drake May. Then I pull the trigger on that. But you still may keep Russ around as a bridge quarterback for one year, so that way you don't have to throw Drake May right to the wolves from the jump. It's a good idea because, I mean, if someone can – I mean, Russell Wilson might have lost a step, I mean, coming to Denver, but he's still obviously going to go down in the you know Hall of Fame still a Super Bowl winning quarterback, MVP. So it's going to be something, you know, if you get a young, new quarterback straight out of college, rookie that can learn under him, train under him, that would be massive, you know, going forward for him and it would help him out uh, big time. I do want to move on to the Nuggets, though, Josh. Nuggets back in uh, NBA started about like a week or two ago, have like three, four games under their belt. What do we, I mean, I don't want to ask too. I don't want to start off with a too general of a question, but are we kind of thinking of running it back this year? What are the fans saying? I mean, nothing has really changed with the team. Team is still kind of coming back the same as they were last year. So, is that the sentiment going forward in this season? Hey, we're running it back. We're going to win it all again this year. Yeah, it is. Uh, and that's what the team says. That's exactly where the fan base mindset is. The only question is the bench, uh, the starting unit. That that five that comes out. There is not a starting unit in the world that's better than what the Denver Nuggets have right now. So it's going to be very difficult to beat that team in a seven-game series. But what, what the question is, is the bench, what's that look like throughout an 82-game season at all? And, of course, in the postseason, way down the road, Malone you know, ramps up the minutes for those starters and then cuts the rotation down in half. So come playoff time, they're going to be absolutely fine. Uh, and, yeah, that, that is it. This is a window right now, fellas, and we've never been in it. It's beautiful for me to be saying it. I smile every time I think about it. But the Denver Nuggets right now, it's get to the NBA Finals, win the NBA Finals, or the season is a disappointment. And it's going to look like that for uh, Nicole is locked up for five years. It's going to look like that until he's 33 years old, 
They should be a champion or a Western Conference champion every single season. That's the expectation from the team. That's the expectation from us in the media. And that's the expectation from the fans. Yeah, we, I, we talked about it earlier on the show, last show, about how it's been a weird year. I mean, uh, three teams in this sports cycle have won their first championship. I mean, the Rangers obviously just won this past, past week. Uh, Nuggets won, obviously, last year. Uh, as well. And then obviously the Vegas Golden Knights won uh, for the NHL. So yeah, it's been a weird year. And I think it would be really hard for Denver to kind of go back to back being such a newly minted team, if that makes sense. And I'm not sure if the fans kind of feel that same sentiment. No, I get what you're saying. And it's, I mean, look, they're still, I I made the comparison on my radio show here in town with Stoke on 104.3 The Fan that it's, um, you guys don't know how old you are, but the 98 Broncos, you remember they win the 97 uh, Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But still, you know, almost pissed about what happened with Jacksonville the year before. And then there's, a, you know, the pundits out there, or the media out there back in 98, saying, yeah, well, they won that one, but they, they really just got over the hump. John's been to all these Super Bowls and got beat down and embarrassed. And All right, they get the one, but that's pretty much it. And in that 98 Broncos team, you remember they're 14-2, and 13-0 to start, lose a couple in a row, and then just beat the brakes off the Dolphins in round one. Um, that, that's, I think, what this Nuggets team is. That, that 98 Broncos team were champions, had the best quarterback going in the world. That's Nicole Jokic, the best basketball player in the world. But they were still playing with a chip, like angry of like, all right, we're going to show y'all who the heck we are. And the, the Nuggets are doing that right now. Um, they lost to Minnesota last night. That's a scheduled loss anyway. There's 82 games. They're going to lose some of them. But what I've seen out of the Nuggets, and I actually just talked to Jamal about this the other night, um, that, that motivation, all these things, Lakers fans out there talking about, well, we did it 16 times, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, how many were in Minneapolis and how many were you even alive for, Laker fan? Um, so I, I think it's a little bit of that. There's a chip there. They're hungry. And I honestly think they're even more pissed off now than they were a year ago because the whole world outside of this dang city tried to ride it off. Oh, the easiest route to a chance. They played who was in front of them, and they smoked those fools. That's all they have to do. They got rings. They got a banner. You can never take it away. But I like the fact that they're still angry and upset about it. Yeah, of course. And uh, so I'm, I'm looking far ahead here. Obviously, I don't want to make you speculate, but trade deadline, February 8th uh, for the NBA. Do you think they make any moves to kind of even make it more of a uh, solidified deal that they could go deep into the playoffs? Or do you think they're fine with, with the team that they have right now? No, I love this question. I love this question, thinking ahead a little bit like that, because you're on to something there, going back to what we said about the bench. Um, and, yeah, I do. I do think they're going to make a trade. Again, just like we talked about with teams knowing they're in the window, Calvin Booth knows they're in the window as well with this Nuggets team, and he's shown. He's not afraid to make a move. He got Bones out of here, addition by subtraction. Uh, last year, I was ahead of the trade deadline, but right around there. So I absolutely do think they're going to make a move. Um, Reggie Jackson's shown he's can be a solid contributor coming off the bench. I don't know if that's sustainable for 82 games. Um, and a guy like Peyton Watson and Christian Brown, I love Christian. What he brings to the team is invaluable. But they're, they're just so raw on the offensive end, they don't have any of that. And Julian Strother can light it up. He's got a great shot. His catch and release speed 
Uh, and that's NBA stuff. That's next level for a young kid like that. But they have to have somebody on that second unit that can score. Malone's been staggering with Jamal, which leads to about four extra minutes a night for Jamal. And you go, all right, four extra minutes. He's a young man. What does that matter? Multiply it by 82, and then you'll figure out why it matters uh, in the long run of this. So I love that question, and I love where your head's at on it. Thinking ahead a little bit about what they have to do to get over the regular season hump. So, yeah, they will make a move at the deadline. Yeah, I mean, if they make – if they make moves that, like you said, it sounds like, you know, building up that bench, making that bench deeper, I can only imagine that they would, if not, I mean, they're already favorites to win it again, but they would just even lock that in even further. So I know you, unbiasedly speaking, and probably maybe biasedly speaking as well, you have the Nuggets going for the finals. <laughs> Who's the Eastern Conference uh, counterpart, that, counterpart that they're going to face? I mean, it's, it's Milwaukee, Boston, right? You, you pick one, I'll pick the other, whatever you feel good with. But Boston's coming out on fire. They have yet to lose this season. I think they put up 155 points last night, fellas. That's like 39 points a quarter. That's, that's unbelievable uh, at the NBA level. So I think this is the year that you see the Nuggets and the Celtics in the NBA Finals. And, and I still like the Nuggets over there. The Celtics got a heck of a lineup, but star power. Nikola Jokic is better than Jason Tatum. Jamal Murray is better than Jalen Brown. Kristaps Porzingis, I, he's probably a better scorer than Aaron Gordon is, but Aaron Gordon's a better defender. And then you start to look at those role players. Uh, if Michael Porter Jr. can find his confidence again, he's better than any role player that the Celtics have. Um, the bench, that's when it comes back to that trade question because the Celtics have a good bench. They address some of that even more through the offseason. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take Denver, Boston, and give me the Nugs in. We're getting way ahead of it here, but give me the Nugs in like six. So you would say the Nuggets are obviously the closest team in Denver to winning a tie, to winning a championship out of the four professional teams. But you know the Avalanche won a few years ago, and the Broncos obviously with the struggles, and the Rockies obviously. So I mean, pretty much you gave it away. The Nuggets are the closest team, as I like to ask basically any city. You know, what is what team? would be the closest to winning a, a championship. So obviously the Nuggets for you. I mean, I think the Avs are right there too. I don't want to write off what the Avalanche have done and, and to start this season. They're doing it without their captain, but uh, Chris McFarland, their GM, and then obviously guided by Joe Sackett, the team president. They went out and made some great trades. Uh, Ross Cole and Miles Wood, the additions of those two dudes on the Avalanche, I mean, they play a perfect brand of hockey for the Colorado Avalanche. They're willing to do the little things. They're willing to get physical. I saw them crush Connor Bedard, both of them, in that game against the Blackhawks and couldn't help but love that. So I don't want to write off the Avalanche either. I actually think the Nuggets and the Avs both have uh, almost a similar, same chances to be champions this year. And, and hell, I'll get to broadcast from a dual parade. I'm down for that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Avs have, I mean, they, you said they made some good changes. Obviously, we're Stanley Cup champions in, you know, two years ago. So that would be something if they could make it back and maybe have two champions uh, for, for Denver this year coming up. Oh, it would be incredible. Uh, Avalanche a couple of years ago uh, was like 500,000 people. Uh, Nuggets last year was like 600,000 people. Let's just get, get together with a million of our closest friends and celebrate the abs and the Nuggets in June. I'm definitely down for that. Awesome, man. Yeah, well, we'll have to do this again sometime for sure. I mean, I would love to have you come back on maybe midway through the NBA season or 
leading into the playoffs, maybe even at the trade deadline, depending on what they do, and the, especially depending on how the Broncos are going to do coming down the stretch here. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Let's definitely get together again, maybe when the uh, yeah, like you said, maybe as the NFL playoffs are rolling on and we kind of figure out who these NBA and NHL teams are, let's definitely do it. All right, man. I'm looking forward to it. We'll, we'll see you then, okay? All right. Sounds good, fellas. I appreciate you. Thanks for coming on. All right, man. We'll talk soon. Thanks for having me. Okay. Great interview with Josh. Definitely have him on again. But for now, let's finish the, let's finish the show, Justin. Off the map, long hauls of the week. Let's start with you. What's your off the map of the week? My off the map of the week is the MLB free agency talk. I know the season just ended on Wednesday night with the Texas Rangers winning their winning their first World Series. But Shohei Otani, want to get to Shohei Otani here? I think he there's going to be some teams that really that really take a look at him. The San Francisco Giants, the Dodgers, and there's a lack of talk with teams like the Giants and, you know, the Dodge and outside of the Dodgers, which pretty much everybody is saying he is going to, I think there's going to be other teams that will take a look at Otani for their team. Yeah, I mean, I'm, like you said, Justin, I'm surprised we haven't really, now that, you know, the World Series is over, I know it's only been less than a week, but, uh, yeah, we haven't really heard anything about where, you know, his update and where he's going. Cause that's going to be obviously the biggest news story uh, for MLB anyhow uh, in the offseason. My off the map of the week, uh, media coverage for women's sports has nearly tri- uh, tripled in the past five years. According to, a, according to a Forbes article, the average share of sports media coverage across broadcasters, streaming platforms, social media, and digital publications has risen to 15% uh, in 2022. In 2019, it was only 5.7%. Yeah, so almost tripled uh, the revenue for women's sports over the last five years. Uh, younger generation, a lot more streaming platforms, you know, ESPN Plus, Peacock, Amazon Prime, Paramount Plus. Uh, you know, they're all showcasing roughly 22,000 hours of women's coverage across all these platforms. And yeah, it's really encouraging, really cool to see. And uh, you can only imagine that it's going to continue to be on the rise as we go forward. Zach, what is your off the map of the week? My off the map of the week is the Big Ten announcing the 2024 schedule. And how about some of the games we're going to get? USC's first ever Big Ten game is on the road at Michigan. They're going to get Penn State in Los Angeles next year. They've already protected the UCLA-USC series, the Oregon-Washington series. Oregon-Washington will now be played on the rivalry weekend, just like Ohio State-Michigan and all the other great Big Ten rivalries have been over the years. You get Ohio State on the road at Oregon. I mean, we're going to get some fantastic games. I know everybody hates. So the whole realignment thing and the breakup of the Pac-12, but what we're getting on the other end of it is we're going to get a lot of really good football games, especially with the 12-team playoff. Now not every week is life or death, so we're just going to get better football. We're going to get less Ohio State Rutgers games and more Ohio State Oregon or USC Michigan games. That's a win for everybody. Uh, long, uh, long haul of the week. Justin, what's your long haul of the week? My long haul of the week, James Harden, shut up. You are not a system player. You're not just the system. I know you're a big superstar. I know he led the league in assists last year and all that stuff. But now, it, you know, I heard this too. Now it looks like Russell Westbrook is not happy to have him in L.A. He is not happy because who's going to shoot more? I mean, who's going to not pass the ball? I know Harden led the league in assists, as I just said. But him and Westbrook... I mean, they, they both are just ball hogs. They both just get the ball, shoot, get the ball, shoot. And there's going to be a lot of 
you know, frustration with uh, Ty Lu out in L.A. being the coach there. I mean, sucks for him because I think he's an underrated coach. He just has to deal with the prima donna stars out there with James Harden and Russell Westbrook, who, let's be honest, are going to be are, are past their prime. Both of them are past their prime. And then Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I mean, Paul George is definitely a good player. Kawhi Leonard, I don't know what happened the last year or two. He's been hurt. But, um, but yeah, Ty Lue is just going to have, you know, he's going to have his hands full. I mean, he's just... I don't know how he's not going to, you know, unfortunately get, unfortunately they're going to, they're going to, you know, fire him. Like, like the Sixers fired Doc Rivers and hopefully Ty Lue keeps his job. And he's an, I mean, he's an underrated coach, but James Harden is my long haul of the week. He's not a system player past his prime too. I almost uh, forgot about Russell Westbrook being on that team. I mean, being on the team, it's, he's been bounced around so much over the years, but and that's a good point. I mean, you think you think you figure him along with um, Kyrie Leonard, they're going to definitely be fighting a lot for, uh, for, for playship. And that's going to be an interesting kind of scenario that breaks out my long haul of the week. Speak other LA team, uh, Anthony Davis been playing really well. Um, yeah, I mean, so far in the league, he's uh, averaging forty over 40 minutes a game, uh, 26 points a game, uh, 13 rebounds. So he's been playing really, really good. I got to see it, though, continue. He does have a tendency to kind of flame out as the season continues. We talk about, like, you know, load management and, you know, rest and all that. And like I said, especially leading in the playoffs, he does have tendency in the past to kind of flame out. So I, I do want to see him play consistently throughout the season. And especially once the Lakers, you know, God willing do get to the playoffs. I want to see him kind of perform there as well. So too soon to tell great. Um, happy he's playing well, especially with his injury concerns over the years, but definitely need to see it going down the stretch. Zach, finish us off. What is your long haul of the week? Victor Wembayama, he's real, and the hype doesn't seem to be enough for him. He's been spectacular since he's come into the league. He's doing something every night, whether it's blocking shots, whether it's scoring in the post. He's even been a good three-point shooter. He actually leads the NBA with a 78.9% shooting percentage among the 117 players who have attempted 10 or more field goals in the fourth quarter. He's 15 for 19 this year. He just put up 38 points last night. Two straight wins for the Spurs on the road against the Suns, who are thought of as one of the best teams in the Western Conference. He's already put up a 38 spot. He's already had a couple of games of 25 or more. He has just been everything we could have hoped for and more. And it's going to be scary for the rest of the league to try to stop him. Yeah, it's fun to watch, too, on defense, of course, that side of the ball. Yeah, he's He's explosive. Really excited to see how he plays going down the stretch. Good show, guys. Uh, do, do it all again uh, Tuesday. Breaking down NFL. Uh, breaking down, um, you know, NFL Week 9. We just gave our predictions, but we'll actually kind of review and tell you all what happened. And, yeah, we'll do it all then. But until then, take care and keep on traveling.